It's 11.30 here at KRVN on this Friday, the 11th day of June. It's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Jason Jorgensen is in with sports here in just a few moments. We just found out the Husker volleyball team will be playing their official schedule, including non-conference teams, was released here just a little bit. We'll have a preview on that. Bob will step in and tell us how stocks are performing to end the regular week. And then, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll have a forecast, your weekend forecast with Paul Perkins. And unfortunately, a lot of heat and no precipitation. So that's something we'll keep an eye on and get here in about 15 minutes. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. And, and Susan, did you receive some good rain on the eastern side of the state? Yes, over two inches. And I put my wow. muck boots on and I found a mud puddle and I jumped in it. That's great. Two inches. Uh, <laughs> all of us would take that at any time. I know. I was it just it was dark for the longest time and everything kind of was moving around us. And then that first crack of thunder must have been just enough what the clouds needed to open up. Hopefully no hail. No, no hail good. at all. Good. All right. Very good. Well, what do you have coming up for us on this Friday edition of Midday? Well, it is a Friday, which, of course, means we check in with Al Dutcher and Chad Moyer. And Al talks about some relief that we saw this morning in parts of northern Nebraska, easing the heat over the weekend, but hot again in the next midweek. Not what we wanted to hear. Then Chad's going to step in back again at 1245 as he continues to talk about World Pork Expo that wrapped up yesterday at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. And then I'll be in at 117 because it's the FNBO's Fridays in the Field. We head outside of Columbus to Jim Camrath's and his grandson Ben joins us as they talk about a unique crop for them, raising pumpkins. So that's a midday from the farm team. Okay, very good. Thank you very much and enjoy that rain. Oh, I'm definitely going to. All right. Again, that is Susan Littlefield. Let's turn things over now to Jason Jorgensen. And, well, Jason, Husker volleyball schedule just released. It did. And just this morning, a thought crossed my mind. I was trying to cross-reference some stuff, and I thought, I wonder when that's going to come out. Came out today. The Huskers will open up the season by hosting Tulsa, Colgate, a good old Kansas State, in a tournament at Avani Center at the end of August. Also, Nebraska has non-conference games slated against Omaha, Georgia, and Arizona State the next week at the Avani Center. The first true road game will be at Creighton on Wednesday, September 8th. So it's a nice-looking schedule. It's nice to see a schedule. It is uh, a full non-conference schedule as well. Here's a team at Stanford on September 14th. So that'll be one to watch for, too. Intriguing matchup that folks will want to uh, pay attention to. So we'll we'll put the web, we'll put the schedule up at uh, krvn.com that just came through. They'll be tested, that's for sure. Probably right. what probably what the coach wants. Yeah, right. He's not one an easy, easy trek through the non-conference, especially for as tough as what the Big Ten has been and probably figures to be again mm-hmm. this fall. Also, we'll let you hear from another one of the local kids who will be involved in the Western Nebraska All-Star Game tomorrow night. Kickoff 8 Central. We'll have it here on 880 KRVN. Okay, very good. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. Bob, how are stocks performing? Stocks are a little bit higher in trading. Uh, keeping the S&P 500 on track for its third weekly gain in a row. The federal government has reached an agreement to restore nearly $1 billion in funding for that troubled bullet train in California that, uh, well, it's troubled. Also, the European Medicines Agency has approved a new manufacturing site for making the Moderna vaccine, and that location is in France. 
The All-Star Game season continues on Saturday night as we bring you the Western Nebraska All-Star Football Game from Scott's Bluff on 880 KRVN, 106.9 in Kearney and 98.5 in Grand Island. Our coverage on Saturday night starts at 745 with kickoff at 8 along the Rural Radio Network. Our broadcast is brought to you by Cozad Community Hospital, Cozad Services, Cozad Telephone Company, and Flash Electric. That's the Western Nebraska All-Star Game this Saturday night on 880 KRVN and KRVN.com. It is time for regional ag weather update here on this Friday. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. We're now joined by Paul Perkins here in the KRVN studio. And, well, Paul, if you're out east, you're seeing some really nice rain showers. Our own Susan Littlefield said that they received over two inches, but also some hail, three-inch size hail near Tacoma or near Nebraska City. Yeah, a severe thunderstorm warning right now remains in effect uh, right around the Tecumseh area and also towards the Auburn area. A severe thunderstorm warning there until uh, 12.15 for eastern Johnson County, Nemaha, and northwestern Richardson County. A severe thunderstorm right near Johnson to the north of Falls City, and that is moving to the east at 3 miles per hour. Yeah, three-inch hail and 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts reported with that storm cell. So kind of a rough storm there. A big yeah, big day of haves and have-nots on the rains and multiple locations in eastern Nebraska reporting inch and a half to two inches of rain and farther east west to go nothing yeah it seems like north and eastern regions of the state of Nebraska receive some rain and the rest of us bone dry and it's bad news because it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. Yeah, in the next two weeks, not looking good for any kind of rain chances. Then we're going to have the heat add to that dryness across the area. But it's not as humid. If you don't like the humidity, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, we have dew points right now in the mid to upper 40s in much of west central Nebraska on into northwest Kansas. Even dew points as low as 33 currently mm-hmm. at Ogallala and Imperial. To compare that, we had dew points yesterday at this time in the low to mid 70s. So mm-hmm. big drop in the humidity. So it's going to feel a lot more comfortable for today. And especially for tonight, open up those windows, give the AC yeah. a break because it's going to get a workout over the next few weeks. Yeah, here. there you go. Go. That's a good point. Temperatures overall across Nebraska. This is probably going to be the one day that's not going to be as warm as what it's been all week. Exactly. More of a seasonal day for today. Right now, most of our temperatures across Nebraska in the low to mid-70s. We are as warm as 78 in the Grand Island area. We do have some upper 60s to right around 70 where those thunderstorms have been moving through from Columbus and York on into southeast Nebraska. Those temperatures over northern Kansas in the upper 70s to the low 80s, much lower on the humidity. Showers and thunderstorms continuing, mainly from about the Elkhorn and Wahoo area down to around Hebron and points off towards the southeast. And in the far southeast part of Nebraska, we do have a severe thunderstorm watch that remains in effect until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Thunderstorm, or make that 3 o'clock this afternoon. Thunderstorms remain possible across eastern Nebraska on into central and east Kansas with the passage of a cold front. Behind that front, sunshine, seasonal temperatures, north winds gusting up to 35, ushering in some much drier air. The drier air and light north winds tonight, allowing our temperatures to drop below below seasonal levels in the 50s. He can open those windows for tonight. Tomorrow going to be slightly warmer than normal once again with sunshine returning on the backside of high pressure moving east. (coughs) Winds will turn back to the southeast. For Sunday into Thursday, mostly dry with highs back into the 90s the entire time for Sunday into Thursday as ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. A weak disturbance and an increase in gulf moisture could trigger an isolated thunderstorm by Sunday night. Otherwise, nothing in the way of any rain chances. 
Highs in the upper 90s to around 100 expected by Thursday as that high-pressure ridge continues to get stronger over the desert southwest. In the long-term forecast, the ridge of high pressure persisting above normal temperatures remain likely for Wednesday through June 24th for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. During that time in central Nebraska, our average daytime highs warm into the mid-80s with average overnight lows warming to around 60. Below normal rainfall will continue for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. Wednesday through June 24th. Key weather factors affecting the markets include the beginning of drier weather in the northern plains and a potential for limited rainfall in central Brazil. Thunderstorms gradually decreasing in coverage and intensity as they start to cross the upper Midwest for today. The eastern Midwest will see some scattered rain and temperatures by next week and temperatures falling next week closer to seasonal or below normal. Dry weather will prevail in most areas from California all the way to the plains. Building heat will accompany the dryness with triple-digit heat returning across parts of the northern plains the first half of next week. Severe storms moving through the northern plains last night produced some widespread moderate rain, but more areas, though, saw limited rainfall with the drought expected to continue or worsen. Across the southern plains, hot and dry weather continues to promote winter wheat maturing and harvest. In southern Brazil, rain moving north will become more isolated next week as it moves into central Brazil. Rain totals will be light and impact second crop corn very little since it's too far along to receive much of a benefit. So get ready for warm temperatures to continue and it'll be very dry. Uh, I mean, what are we talking about potentially how long for these dry temperatures and in days overall i wouldn't be surprised you know i've heard some estimates through the end of the month you know right now that long-term forecast does indicate that goes through june 24th and a very high likelihood Mm -hmm. of above normal temperatures all the way through june 24th and once again average for this time of year is in the mid 80s in central nebraska we're talking in the 90s next week wouldn't be surprised if we see those 90s uh, fairly strong all the way through june 24th here so essentially another two weeks of this is exactly what we're looking at exactly yeah today is basically your only day well reprieve from the heat and then it all starts back up tomorrow again mm-hmm. yeah because we'll probably start to feel that humidity a little bit more tomorrow and then mm-hmm. definitely so on uh, sunday as more of that moisture starts to move back into our area okay well uh i guess it's somewhat unfortunate news in terms of no precipitation but yeah. not, not much you can do about it no exactly it's mother nature and enjoy today while you can all right very good for a full weather forecast where can you find that weather page krvn.com thank you paul on the rural radio network i'm chad moyer and it is time for our weekly conversation with nebraska ag climatologist al dutcher al we had a front uh, form especially to the north of us but it did include portions of northern nebraska and a little bit of relief uh, with some rainfall moved through the state this morning huh yeah and it's currently moving through our region just as we talk here and thankfully at least we're getting some some localized heavier precipitation amounts it's been fairly dry recently and of course with this heat of course the concern with the crops growing and be showing drought stress and one thing about it is is that even during these dry stretches like this early in the season we've got enough moisture in the profile we're really driving our roots down deeper the just problem is they're young and they can't really keep up with the moisture command but this should help alleviate things and keep that moisture stress away for at least portions of eastern nebraska for the next few days that'll help the roots develop a little bit deeper and our hope is we'll get more precipitation unfortunately i think there's a lot of uncertainty in the models going forward from the gfs model standpoint there has been some changes over the last 24 hours so that i think that leads to a little bit of uncertainty it has to do with this system currently moving through the upper air portion of the system is going to move toward the gray lakes and the gfs model wants to deepen that somewhat 
and it rotates energy on the back side of that trough. So basically what was looking like a dry forecast for these next four or five days has changed a little bit slightly, and we'll see whether the GFS is out to launch on this. But what they're indicating is is that the warmth that was was really going to build into the central plains essentially during the first part of next week, from the GFS model standpoint, it looks like it might be tempered just slightly. And instead of being into the lower 90s, we might be in the upper 80s as several of these waves rotate around, particularly from Monday night through about Wednesday. And then we start to see the heat go back in as the ridge pushes eastward and that trough to the east starts to move and dissipate out toward the northeast. So on these daily occurrences of energy rotating around, the GFS is basically saying there might be the hint of some thunderstorm development if one of these waves moves due to the proper time of the day. So. There is a little optimism there, but then the heat builds back in as a ridge expands to the east, and that looks like it's going to hold into late next week. And then we have some uncertainty once again with the GFS model because it wants to take another piece of energy from that trough and move it across the northern plains and create more of a zonal flow. And if that's the case, then we would get into a period where it would be a little bit cooler temperatures, more normal-like temperatures, and more chances of precipitation moving in a west-east fashion along the periphery of the ridge that will be established across the south of us. And in addition to that, there is some evidence that we might see tropical system development somewhere into the southwestern Gulf of Mexico as we get into later next week. So that could be another player if it gets lifted up into southern Texas, and depending on where the ridge is, it'll determine its overall path. And if it goes into southern Texas and being able to be lifted toward the northwest, that would allow that moisture to be pulled into the western high plains. So there's a lot of uncertainty going forward, and of course we're getting that time of the year where the crops are really starting to take off. So the concern is whether or not we're going to see moisture so at least there's a little bit of optimism in the GFS model, but if it fails, then we're going to be into a pretty pretty long dry stretch, unfortunately. Quickly, second half of June, what does the forecast look like at this point? Well, I have to go off the GFS model because that's what I use as a forecasting tool, and it does continue to show troughs coming in the western United States and that energy coming out into the northern and central plains. So, you know, I'm only going to take one or two of these events that get a nice convective cluster just like we have here, and we can get some pretty decent precipitation. The flip side of it is, unfortunately, at this time of the year, we deal with a lot of wind and a lot of hail, as we've seen with this previous system, not so much on the tornadic side of it, but once these systems get going, they can really move across quickly from west to east, get a lot of wind at the surface. Unfortunately, you get a lot of hail and it's the time of the year when we're pretty vulnerable to those impacts, especially with these fast-growing crops. All right, very good. As always, great insight. Thank you much. Again, we've been visiting with Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher. And our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jordan is now joining us. And well, Jason, we're finding out more information about Nebraska volleyball. Their schedule was released, and there's some uh, interesting opponents on it. Yeah, they are. And the biggest thing is the athletic department is planning for 100% capacity for all home fall sporting events. Beautiful. Nebraska will open up the season on August 27th and 28th by hosting Tulsa, Colgate, and Kansas State in a tournament at the Vanny Center. Huskers will then welcome in Omaha, Georgia, and Arizona State to the Sports Center for another home tournament. Nebraska takes on Creighton at the CHI Health Center on Wednesday, September 8th. And then the Huskers' final week of non-conference action will feature a road trip to Stanford mm. on September 14th. <laughs> That's a juicy opponent to that wrap is. up non-conference. Nothing like getting you ready for a conference play right there. If you'd like to check out the complete schedule and more details on how you can purchase tickets, you can find that at So they'll be playing inside, but they're not going to be playing in any more ballrooms, though, right? I don't believe so. I think okay. those days hopefully are... All right. 
or passed. I hope so, too. Super Regionals are the next stop on the NCAA Baseball Tournament's Road to Omaha. Four of the best of three series are today through tomorrow, and the other four are Saturday through Monday. Number one national seed Arkansas will host North Carolina State. The Wolfpack have been the best road team in college baseball. Another big matchup has LSU against Tennessee. Of course, the Super Regional winners advance onto the College World Series in Omaha that starts on June 15th. Scott's Bluff is once again hosting the Western Nebraska All-Star Volleyball and Football Games this weekend. Connor Schutz of Highline is a member of the E-Squad, and he talks about what it means for him to be playing in tomorrow night's game. It means a lot. I get to represent my hometown and what it's all about and meet a lot of lifelong friends and you know, put in the hard work throughout the week and tell everyone's just got that, that winning mentality. So have fun throughout the week and then come Saturday it's it's game time so Shuts helped Highline advance to the playoffs last year then he finished up his uh, high school career with a state mm. title in wrestling mm. fellow teammate Cody Keller Highline is also playing at the game kickoff tomorrow is set for 8 central time we will bring it to you here on 880 KRVN you can also watch that online at knab.tv mm-hmm. the volleyball game is set for 3 central time Skylar Morris of Broken Bow is the head coach for the East while Gothenburg coach Bryson Mulberg is the assistant we was talking to uh, Chris Cottrell who will be doing the play-by-play action for KNAB and I was asking about how hot it's been out there and he said it's been brutal the coaches of course Jace Doolin uh, last time representing Elm Creek will be coaching for the East, but saying that it's just been tough trying to coach that. I mean, you go from not doing anything uh, like football to now being thrown into basically summer-type temperatures. That's football in June. Right. You never know what you will get. And the college football playoff could triple in size. They're saying now they could go from 4 to 12 teams. It doesn't really matter. Uh, in the end, it'll be <laughs> Alabama versus fill-in-the-blank. <laughs> Clemson, probably. Yeah. Or, or maybe Ohio State. But everybody will get their shot. So does this help Nebraska? Do we, do we even sniff any chance? into Not in the near future. No, not in the near future. Maybe by 2023, because I think that's when they were talking about putting it into effect. So that's right. two years down the road. You never know. But for years they've resisted this. Then all of a sudden the yep. SEC says, hey, we're for it. And then things start to move. But And we'll see how many SEC teams they can pack into this thing. I'm intrigued. I, I like it, uh, especially... For some of those teams like UCF a couple of years ago that donned themselves the national champions, this will now give those teams the opportunity to have a chance to play for a real national championship. Which is great, but in the end, Correct. it'll end up no, no. the same. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that now nobody can don themselves national champions. Until... It'll be, it'll be fine until the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th teams all think they need their shot. No, no, get, no, get out of here. No. It'll happen. I, they shouldn't <laughs> do that. But you're right. All right. Thank you. You bet. For more, find it at krvn.com. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in, and, well, it's been a, a busy week, as it always is, in the newsroom for you guys. And It has, yes. Uh, fatal accidents, unfortunately. <clears throat> that, you guys did a wonderful job covering that, the one here in central Nebraska. Um, obviously, one's in eastern Nebraska as well, but has been busy. Yes, well, and then over in Lincoln County as well. We'll mention right. that coming up here in our newscast and uh, court hearings and so forth, but uh, 
It, uh, it's just a pleasant thing to do, though. It never <laughs> ends, but it's fun to do. News never sleeps. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Matthew Donahue has been appointed acting state epidemiologist for Nebraska. Donahue was selected for the position by the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services CEO, Danette Smith, and Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Gary Antone. Donahue completed his residency at the University of Rochester Medical Center in June 2019 with distinction in research. He comes to Nebraska as an applied epidemiology fellow with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture and the Frontier County Extension are hosting an opportunity for people to learn more about working with stock dogs. On June 25th, the NCTA Aggie Stock Dog Team coach Leland Obermiller will be conducting a herding dog basics clinic covering terminology, principles, and concepts of selecting and training herd dogs. The free clinic is open to adults and youth in grades 8 through 12. To register, contact the Frontier County extension. Two adults drowned yesterday afternoon with a pickup they were in rolled into the Tri-County Canal near Fort McPherson National Cemetery. It happened around 1.45 as troopers were dispatched to report of a pickup in the canal about two miles west of Fort McPherson. A trooper found that the two reporting parties had been able to remove a deceased male identified as 74-year-old Alex Sanchez of North Platte from the pickup. A dive team was called in and was able to locate and remove a deceased female identified as 52-year-old Kimberly McCarter of Papillion. Both parties were deceased at the time of the initial report. Troopers believe the pickup was traveling on the canal road and lost control, rolling into the canal. The time of the crash is unknown. The crash remains under investigation. State Patrol has identified four people killed in a head-on crash as a family from Fremont. It happened yesterday morning on Highway 275, just east of Scribner, when a sedan and a semi-trailer collided. The driver of the, of the sedan, 37-year-old Heidi Likens-Huseman, and her husband, 29-year-old Joshua Huseman, and 10-year-old Jasmine Likens were all pronounced dead at the scene. The couple's nine-month-old baby, Nova Huseman, died a short time later at a Fremont hospital. The patrol says the 37-year-old semi-driver was not injured. And an eastern Nebraska authority say a 71-year-old man has died following a rollover crash of an all-terrain vehicle near Springfield. The Sarpy County Sheriff's Office says it was discovered just after 9 p.m. last evening by family and friends in a rural area about a mile west of Springfield. Firefighters and medics who arrived on the scene found Edward Smith injured and not breathing. They performed CPR but were unable to revive him. The investigation shows that Smith was riding the ATV along a fence line on private property when the vehicle rolled and pinned him. And a federal judge has halted the loan forgiveness program for farmers of color in response to a lawsuit alleging the program discriminates against white farmers. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel says U.S. District Judge William Griesbach in Milwaukee issued a temporary restraining order suspending the program from President Joe Biden's administration for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. 
On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer reporting. The Nebraska Cattlemen Mid-Year Meeting took place in and around Fremont earlier this week, Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday was all of the committee meetings and, of course, the general session and keynote speakers. As far as the committee meetings went, one of the busier committees and uh, generating a lot of lively discussion was the Marketing and Commerce Committee. And Steve Sunderman from Norfolk chairs that committee. He says there's a lot of discussion about packer capacity and market transparency in his committee meeting. Yeah, Chad. So we actually gave an update on where we stand on steer and heifer packing capacity. Um, as many of your listeners know, you know, we've had a lot of struggles with that through COVID and even before that. And so with that, we, we've seen a, a DOJ investigation since last summer that's looking to some of those actions by packers. And um, we actually are uh, voted to offer support to our members, you know, if they do get contacted that uh, if they need any advice or we can put them in touch with, with other experts that could help them out. Uh, but we also had uh, representatives from Sustainable Beef, the new uh, beef packing plant in North Platte, come out and speak to us and give us details on, on their new plant that they're planning. And uh, it was nice to actually hear of, of new capacity to help us get back on track. Yeah, I was going to say there are concerns, like you say, in capacity, but we gotta you got to think that we're moving in at least the right direction. Tama, Iowa's going to uh, two t- you know a, a second shift and a new uh, greenfield site here in Nebraska. Does the committee feel like you know we're starting to to move the right way? Yeah, I think there's been some really encouraging news between Tama and then uh, Nebraska Prime also has added on and, and could do a second shift as well as Creekstone, Arkansas City, Kansas. You know, the big thing they're struggling with now is obviously labor, mm-hmm. um, and so we did discuss a little bit our, our immigration reform that we have in place for policy um, we, we realize that we're gonna have to do a lot of things to help improve the, the amount of labor that's there and um, what we can do to, to help packers do that National Cattlemen's Beef Association has that working group that uh, is taking a look at uh, uh, some different things and including you know related to that uh, packing capacity but price discovery uh, an update on that at your committee meeting yeah we did talk about that our uh, live cattle marketing working group uh, which myself and Troy Stillwater sit on. He, he gave an update on, on those discussions. You know, we put together a price discovery assessment at the beginning of the year uh, to try and just see, okay, we got these robust price discovery levels that we need to meet for negotiated trade. How, how are we doing? You know, unfortunately, the first quarter we failed. Um, second quarter is still up in the air if we're going to pass or not in terms of price discovery robustness. Um, but got an update on that, and, and, you know, as we continue to monitor that, uh, we're going to be considering, you know, what options do we have to get those negotiated trade levels to meet robust price discovery. Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at the first quarter. Uh, where did we fail? Where Where were the What were the points that uh, we, you felt um, that we didn't hit that we should or probably could have? You know what's been interesting watching this is we've actually seen an uptick in negotiated trade in Texas. Um, they've actually done a lot of work down there, and I, I give their association a lot of credit in doing that. Um, we still struggle though there and, and in Kansas most. And so the, the most times that we failed on a weekly basis was in Kansas and, and Texas. But we even failed in Nebraska at least one or two weeks. And so it shows you that you know, this isn't just a southern problem. Uh, it's a problem across the plains in terms of getting enough negotiated trade to get robust price discovery. The Education and Research Committee got together as well. Marcus Urban from Lee, Nebraska, chairs that committee. And he says there was a fair amount of uh, discussion about a bill that passed in the Nebraska Unicameral this year, the Farm to School Program Act. You know, through COVID, we had a little trouble getting some of our beef moved. And, and this way, uh, it's going to open up a network so that school lunches um, can be nothing but Nebraska products. Uh, there will be a network put together, school lunches they can purchase, whether it's produce, uh, protein, anything. Um, they'll just have uh, nothing prepackaged. They can go and it'll be everything grown in your hometown.
Isn't that amazing? And then there's an educational component of that too that connects the production of this food with you sitting down and eating it, huh? Yes, the curriculum opportunities are endless. What what better way when kids these days and, and families are further away from the farm um, for them to learn where their food comes from? Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Good to hear that. Oh, and one other thing out of your committee, uh, Lead for Nebraska is an interesting program that's getting started, and you had an update on that, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was something new. We we kind of stumbled across it, and, and Benita lined them up. Um, Brent Comstock come to talk about a little bit of like a fellowship opportunity. Um, they would place people within communities for two years, uh, get them to know the committee, learn the community, and uh, maybe they would stay back and start an op- uh, start a a business there or they would uh, join on with another business but it's a way to get higher education um, and and get people back to rural Nebraska. Earlier in the day the Natural Resources and Environment Committee had a joint meeting with Brandon Property Rights and Jacob Mayer of Weston chair of the Natural Resources and Environment Committee says uh, there was a, a fair amount of discussion about a national issue in that joint meeting. We had uh, with us uh, Caitlin Glover uh, executive director of Public Lands Council and uh, also uh, working with uh, National Cannabis Beef Association in Washington D.C. Uh, talking about uh, President Biden's uh, 30 by 30 plan, uh, keeping America beautiful, um, sort of uh, what we've known so far, um, what uh, what we're, we have to look forward to, and, and sort of how um, how the cattlemen and the beef industry fits into that plan. Um, it was actually quite uh, encouraging to hear Caitlin uh, uh, talk somewhat about uh, how uh, the the conservation activities that uh, cattlemen are already doing uh, play into uh, reaching that goal for the for the uh, uh, Biden administration. So uh, the, one of the concerns about 30 by 30 was we just didn't know w- how they were going to accomplish some of that. Do we know more about it or are we still kind of uncertain about it? There's still a lot of uh, probably a lot more questions than the answers at this point. So uh, yeah, how, how are how do those things get quantified is still really up in the air. Um, the the uh, f- initial framework um, has some favorable things about private land ownership. Um, and and uh, the impact of animal agriculture, um, but uh, there's still a, a lot of questions out there. Nebraska Cattlemen mid-year meeting again yesterday at Midland University in Fremont. Of course, the other committees met as well, Taxation Committee and Animal Health and Nutrition Committee, and uh, any interim policy that came out of any of the committee meetings yesterday will now go on to the Board of Directors for a review. On the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have stalled in afternoon trading, but the S&P 500 is still on pace for its third weekly gain in a row. The S&P 500 gave up an early gain and was little changed at midday. With the exception of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the major indexes are on pace to close the week higher. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said that the group of seven wealthy democracies must learn lessons from the pandemic and not repeat errors made over the past 18 months and after the 2008 global financial crisis. Johnson said during three days of talks with fellow G7 leaders in Cornwall, England, that there is the risk the pandemic could leave a lasting scar as inequalities may be entrenched. He says the goal should be to level up across our societies and build back better. 
U.S. regulators are allowing the release of about 10 million doses of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine from a troubled Baltimore factory, but many other doses that originated there can't be used and must be thrown out. The Food and Drug Administration announcing today that it had determined that two batches from the plant could be released, but it said several other batches are not suitable for use and additional batches are still under review. The federal government has reached an agreement to restore nearly $1 billion in funding for California's troubled bullet train. Governor Gavin Newsom announcing Thursday night that the U.S. Department of Transportation finalized settlement negotiations to restore money for the high-speed rail projects that the Trump administration revoked in 2019. McDonald's is the latest company to be hit by a data breach after unauthorized activity on its network exposed the personal data of some customers in South Korea and Taiwan. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. Welcome to Fridays in the Field, being brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. I'm Susan Littlefield, and we are back outside of Columbus, Nebraska. Last time we were here, it was cold, it was windy, it was rainy, and not a lot of crops were growing. Now we've already seen alfalfa cut for the first time and just finished up baling. Corn is out of the ground looking great, and soybeans as well. As irrigation has started to run, like we've seen for many across the country, with Warmer temperatures continuing to move in. And of course, we are going to talk not only with Jim Camrath today, but his grandson, Ben, as we talk about some diversification within the farming operations. So, Jim, let's start out with this alfalfa. Susan, it uh, actually, except for the aphids and the weevils that we sprayed uh, about 10 days ago, it, we're really pleased with the, uh, the outcome of the alfalfa and this, uh, this new crop that we put in uh, here, uh, last August. It was exceptional, I thought, except for the dryland corners, which we're going to have to redo and uh, have a patch that's uh, four years old. And it uh, it turned out really well. So, uh, yeah, we're really pleased that uh, the way it turned out, the way the weather started, we was kind of leery of it. But uh, so, yeah, it was all good for being a first year stand. And my youngest boy and and my oldest boy was talking about uh, spraying it. And I said, well, it's not any worse than it has been in the years past and within about a week uh, my youngest boy says there's they're getting a lot of people talking about spraying because it really set in and it did it I went back out and checked and it uh, they were starting to chew on it pretty good so uh, but yeah it's uh, hopefully uh, we get this new uh, in the corners this fall and uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be good well, now bringing Ben Camrath into the conversation. Ben, of course, is the grandson of Jim. And what's it like farming with Grandpa? It's fun. I've always, I've always enjoyed coming out here. I mean, I've always, always had good memories out here. I mean, stuff goes wrong and stuff breaks, and that's not always fun. But I guess it's part of it. Uh, it's always interesting. Learned a lot. Always, every time I come out here, I learn something new. It feels like I always want to trying something new. One of the things that you guys have another cash crop is pumpkins and you do that with your dad and your brother Noah and and grandpa. Let's talk about the pumpkin operation. We've been doing that now for about 
10 years and when he first started i think he started at like an acre maybe and we just kind of he just wanted to sell it to like farmers markets and stuff and just kind of sell them around and then kind of got more public i guess and it kind of started spreading and now he takes oh pickup bed loads out to omaha and a skyler he takes them all over my usually my aunt in omaha sells three or four pickup bed loads full every year i know he goes to skyler with a bunch and then here around columbus and then sells them to a whole bunch of families and then we always get a whole bunch of people that come out here and just pick up whatever they want i think this year now we're about two acres he planted so we got we've grown about an acre which doesn't sound like a lot but with pumpkins i guess it adds quite a few so so in two acres how many seeds are you talking about being planted uh this year he's got roughly between 2500 and 3000 seeds somewhere right there and then kind of depends on how many of them decide to germinate and how many of them bloom so we'll see done by hand oh yeah all by hand he planted it we used the planter we just lifted up the closing wheels and made the ridge and then he planted all the seeds by hand cover it back up and then we do all the weeding by hand and everything because you can't once they vine out you can't go through it with like with anything because then you run over the vines and that's where all the pumpkins grow so yeah what do you like about raising pumpkins it's different i guess i don't you know you don't see too many people who do it or you don't know very many people who do it and it's just it's something unique that you do and something you learn from. Cause well, that's been this week's Fridays in the Field, being brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. John, as we come into Friday, some selling pressure going into the weekend with rains trying to develop across much of the Midwest. But I see soybean meal, it rallies at the close. Really, as things started to cool down, it rallied up. Is that a sign that maybe we could see more come Sunday's overnight open? No, I, I think there was a story that came out this morning, and it was about biofuels and I'm not sure if you touched on it, if you have all morning, but it's kind of important, I think, from the long-term story here. Uh, President Trump was was pretty friendly to the energy sector and the fact that he would issue uh, credits rather than having to uh, require folks to blend biofuel if, if it wasn't profitable for him to do so or it was eating a profit margin. So when Biden was elected, he shut that down. So one thing he, he has done for the farmers is requiring you know, ethanol to be blended into gasoline no matter what the price and that, I would say it's changed the story in ethanol, but it certainly has helped it uh, from where it was three to four years ago. And now you have in you know kind of a period here where Biden's gone the other way with the green policies, trying to use a lot of biofuel. I don't know where it lies, but when you get the news today that, that possibly you'll have demand shrink sharply, you see prices reset, and uh, that's what we saw. And I think that's why bean, bean meal rally just simply the, the reverse and the crush. So definitely some things to be aware of. You know, you're talking about stories that are coming out as well. Mexico, kind of like they had backed off of their uh, wanting to wean off GMOs here over the next couple of years, but it sounds like that story becoming back more in play. Is that really anything to look at, or is that really just a short timeline event that doesn't have much market impact? I think it just fits in the overall theme. You know, I don't want to say everyone wants to be responsible, but there's certainly governments who want to use, quote-unquote, clean energy and governments who want to feed what they feel is superior food products to their population, non-GMO, I guess you put in that category. I'm not sure I, I'm qualified to, to designate it that way or not, but that's the, then the play. And now you have prices rallying to the point where it, it puts the squeeze on folks who want to use green energy and they want to use uh, you know, premium foodstuffs. And Mexico obviously has some issues with what they're importing from the U.S. They've been pretty clear on that. But it's one thing to say, hey, we're not going to eat. 
uh, GMOs and, and you, you feed somewhat more expensive non-GMO. That's not the case anymore. Non-GMO is much, much more expensive, much, more, much, much harder to acquire. And we don't really have the production ca capacity to meet it. So either they're not buying GMO or buying GMO corn or they're not going to buy at all. And uh, obviously that's not going to be the case with the needs they have. So again, kind of a bad news Friday from the big, big picture things. I think you had the weather as well. I guess throwing a little bit of a negative dart, but I think we'll be back up next week. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing, more at danielzagmarketing.com. To remember, train future options involve risk of loss. Thank you very much, Clay. That will take care of this Friday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com, wherever podcasts are available.